Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday morning. Hope everyone is doing well. Don't forget, this is the last week that you can schedule that spring heating and air tune-up with Blue Water Climate Control and get registered for those two-season tickets to all of Tennessee's home football games. Refer a friend and you increase your chances to win as well. The drawing is going to be held on April 26th. You can call 865 865- 299-2290 or go to Blue Water Climate Control to schedule your appointment today. And remember, Blue Water Climate Control is saying thank you to all the West subscribers out there and listeners out there who have been uh, so loyal and so good to them as uh, they have been, the VolQuest has been the top referral site for the Blue, for Blue Water Climate Control for find out, to find out more about what all Blue Water Climate Control can do for you, including the right repair the right way the first time. Give them a call. 865-299-2290 with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Planning to get to on this edition of the podcast. We'll start obviously with some football and the biggest news coming out of football is that Tennessee is going to take a transfer quarterback. Not a surprise. We've been talking about Joe Milton on and off for a couple of months now, but uh, as Austin noted and reported on Monday, he has been in Knoxville and is registered uh, in school at Tennessee. We'll start classes this spring. Rob, I'll start with you. What, what's your takeaway from the fact that Tennessee is indeed just taking another quarterback in the transfer port out of the transfer portal? I mean, I think it says a great deal about what you know the, the staff thinks about what they have in the quarterback room right now. Maybe you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they were. It was the tipping point on Saturday scrimmage. That might be reading a little too much into that, but I know I've talked to a couple of people, you know, who were there, who have talked to people who were there, who, you know, were, were pretty negative on the quarterbacks. So to me, this says more about Tennessee's quarterbacks room than it does Milton, or at least what the coaches think they have in that room. Rob, yeah, just... I think. Ten... Go ahead, Rob. I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Tennessee had eight consecutive three and outs at one point in, in Saturday scrimmage. It's what I was told. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think that Joe, Joe Milton was coming long before Saturday scrimmage. So, like, you know, th- th- this has been this has been done, um, you know. So, I, mean, I don't think this is any kind of surprise. I think the quarterbacks in that room knew that they were taking somebody, Brent. I don't think that the coaches pulled any punches with that. I think they were up front about it with, uh, with, with, with those guys. And so like, I don't think they're shocked either. Brian Maurer can have his silly vague tweets and, and stuff that he's done since he's been here. That's part of the reason he doesn't play, you know, and I, and, and you know, I know somebody said in the chat that I've been down on Maurer. I, I think it's not being down on Maurer. I just think it's part of the maturing process. Like you, 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 you can't ride the wave of good play, bad play like he does and expect to be able to get on the field. You know, I think if he could level out things, even when he has bad play, that it's it's the the emotional roller coaster that he rides. Whereas, like you know, Harrison Bailey is much more even keel. You know, high plays he never gets too high, low plays he doesn't really get too low. You know, he 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 almost just you know he almost has no pulse out there at times. Well, and I think when you look at Brian Maurer specifically, I think he's probably for this offense maybe the most talented guy Tennessee has. And is the most talented guy Tennessee has yeah. in the room. Those are those a great ball, man. He's just the most inconsistent guy that they have in the room, and 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 the least dependable on the field. I'm not even ta- I'm not talking about off the field. I'm just talking about on the field because it's 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 good one minute, it's bad the next minute. It's just just we're grossly inconsistent. Is this just a case where you, you, Austin? I think you've mentioned this in a couple of podcasts. So I'll get both of your opinions. Is this just a case you have to get this position right? And and if that means you take and you keep taking till you find one, you just keep taking till you find somebody. 
Yeah, I hundred percent think that that's what you have to do. Like if if you take two more, you know they're not doing that. But I mean, if you ta- if you had to, that's what you do. I mean, like you you can't you can't take a step forward as a program if and, and without fixing that position. I, I really believe that. I mean, it is so quarterback driven, you know, across football in general, but um, especially at this level, that you know you've got to have somebody that you can depend on. I mean, just look at Tennessee's quarterback play the last 15 years, Grant. I mean, like, you know, even, you know, 15 years ago, like when, when, when the quarterback play is solid, Tennessee's football program is on much more steady and stable ground. When it's not, it, you know, it, it's, it's basically Earthquake City and there's faults and tremors and all kinds of things going on that you know cause you know things to not be steady and stable rob is is it a case where in in the in the world of sport that quarterback across the board and really any sport is the most important position and what i mean by that is can you you can win in basketball without the best point guard without a great point guard you can you can get by with with a point forward you know, in, in baseball, you can piecemeal some pitching together. You don't have to have the best hitter. You know, you don't have to be great. I mean, it, to be successful in football at any level is the bottom line. You have to have a quarterback making that position the most valuable position in all the sport. I don't think it's even close. You know, I'm not an expert in you know soccer or cricket or you know, some, some of these other other sports, but I mean, I just don't think it's close when you're talking about a guy who has the ball in his hand on every single possession. Yeah, I mean, you say that about the center too, but that's that that does not compare. I mean, and unless he's handing the ball off, he's making decisions that are going to affect you know the outcome of the game. And even if he is handing the ball off, he's made a decision before the snap on whether to stay in that play that was called from the sideline, whether to get into something else. I mean, if you want to see how valuable they are, just look at the NFL draft this year and what teams are giving up to get in, into that one of those top three spots where they can take a quarterback that they want. I mean, they're giving up, I mean, multiple first round draft picks, other, other picks in the draft. I mean, there's no clear illustration of that, of, of you know, how valuable it is to, than what NFL franchises are willing to do to just get a chance to get the right guy. I mean, it's not a guarantee. And we'll see if Tennessee's got the right guy. We'll see what Joe Milton can do. We'll see what that quarterback competition looks like. He comes in tall, a big, thick guy with a big arm. And uh, we know that Tennessee wants to get the ball vertical down the field. And we'll see what he can do this summer. The other question is who's going to stay and who's not going to stay. Um, we'll see. I, I don't think everybody ends up staying. And uh, obviously, Caden Salter did not have the opportunity to go through spring practice. So that set him back significantly. You don't have any idea where he could potentially be at. Not that anybody thought he was going to be a starter this fall. But you don't know where he's at from a com- competition standpoint. And again, what, what does that look like? If Hendon Hooker were to leave, he has to transfer down. So he is in some ways stuck, if you will, if he wants to stay at the power five level. Um, anybody else can, can be free to go if they, want to, if they want to go. So we'll see what happens post-spring practice. If any of those guys make a decision, any of those other guys make a decision to go, and we'll see what this competition looks like once Tennessee gets into the summertime. All right, let, let's, let's shift here to the spring game. And, and I got a couple of questions to ask here. One, are you looking for any either for both of you guys? Are you looking for anything specific in a spring game on Saturday? I mean, no. I mean, just general, just just to watch the quarterbacks again. I mean, I, I don't know that you can make any dramatic 
conclusions based off the spring game that's going to be you know managed and controlled. But I mean, just to just to try and get a feel for if there's any pecking order there as they leave spring. Well, he, I, he winds I, up at linebacker and where? I just say no because I I think the last major scrimmage, which was last Saturday, was the last real kind of litmus test for. Uh, Josh Heifel and company. I don't think they're going to put a whole lot of stock into anything that happened Saturday. Um, you know, those spring games are so fan-oriented and, you know, just don't show anybody anything and play it very vanilla across the board, both defensively and offensively. So I, I go no. I mean, I, I guess if, if you ask me to lean anything, it would be offensive line. You know, what, what, what does Dane Davis look like as he continues his growth? No, I don't, you know, Cade is, is not going to be partaking, um, you know, what's Darnell Wright look like, um, you know, what do they look like from guard to guard. So that brings me to this question. Florida did not have a spring game this year. They decided that back in February because of, of COVID and everything else. They just elected not to have a spring game. Saturday, there's, uh, I think, five spring games in the SEC. They're all screened. None of them are on, you know, none of them are on any of the ESPN real motherships. Uh, they're on the plus or they're on the streaming uh, deal. Last week, Alabama had their game on ESPN. They're the only ones to have theirs on anything like that. Is the end of the, is the end of spring games coming? I mean, are, are we, are we going to get to a point that there's just not going to be and that there's no need for a spring game? I mean, look, because here's the thing. I mean, right now, if you're the SEC network, you're going to carry a spring game or are you going to carry uh, a baseball series game between two top 10 baseball teams? All I know, AP, is if it is the end of them, it's going to be a sad day in the Hubbard's life. Nobody loves a spring game more than Brent Hubbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all, and all, but in all seriousness. I agree, I agree I, with you. I, I mean, I just, I, wonder, I just wonder if, because for years you've heard, well, it's a T, you know, they're doing a TV thing. Everybody's looking for the TV exposure. But if it's only going to be in a, sprint, in a streaming type deal, and Florida, you know, didn't do it. And they used COVID as their reasoning this year. Are we going to move towards a trend where there is no, quote, real spring game anymore? Because everybody's doing them. And, I mean, Tennessee doesn't even have a format as of Monday for what the spring game is going to look like. Are they going to go full scrimmage? What, Are they going to do a bunch what's of the point stuff? System? What's, what's you know, the point right. system? I mean, we've seen it done a million different ways. Uh, my point is, are we going to a point – are we getting to a point where – that they're becoming so irrelevant that you just turn that last practice into a practice and be done with it. I, I agree with you, except for one thing. I wonder if coaches don't want to keep them for recruiting purposes for a reason to bring in a bunch of guys and have them inside the stadium. That I agree with that point. I, I think from a sponsorship standpoint, you know, you know, for, for universities that the ability to, to, you know, to, to have it, you know, branded a certain thing, and, and then, you know, I just don't think we'll go that right. I think you'll see some tweaks. I think what the Big Ten did, if you saw on Monday night, you know, Illinois had their spring game on Monday night. You know, I, I, I think that would be way more interesting if Tennessee's orange and white game was on a Thursday night, you know, instead of a Saturday at 4 o'clock. You know, that's just that my might help opinion. You with TV. Might help you with TV. It's not going to help you with attendance on, on a Thursday night. I mean, I don't think I don't I don't think you know I think there's more you're more likely to get somebody to drive in. Look, here's the thing: 
if you don't have the, the fan day deal where you're doing a bunch of autographs and all those things, what, 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 what is the purpose of, of, of a spring game anymore? Because from a recruiting standpoint, it's a closed scrimmage. As long as it's a regular recruit, you know, it's not a dead period like it is now. You can bring those guys to any scrimmage you want to. You don't need a spring game for that. You can roll them in there. And I guess you could say, well, you got a crowd there. But, I mean, how many kids are basing a decision on the fact that they had X number of fans at a spring game? I just think if you don't have that fan element, I just – I don't know – kind of what the point of them is anymore because it doesn't feel like coaches have much use for them well they don't uh, yeah and you're right I, I do think that there's something to be said for bringing prospects in around fans because listen if you don't think that a 17 year old kid is impressionable when he rolls into any stadium and fan from that school is like oh oh you know bobby uh, Bobby, can I have your picture or whatever? Like that, to me, that 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 really like isn't very much something that kids really gravitate towards. More so than just it's more than just seeing. Oh yeah, Tennessee had thirty-five thousand fans here. Or Georgia had forty-two thousand fans here, or whatever. But I think when the fans are knowledgeable and they know the these prospects and stuff, I think that has an impact. Interesting. We'll I mean, see. you're right. There, it is dying, but like newspapers are dying, and yet they're still a newspaper. Like, you know, I mean, like I think you're slow. It's just, it's just a slow death for for spring games. If there, if it is a death, so to speak, I, I think you just constantly see tweaks and and less people care by the year about going to them. But I mean, I think you're right. I just, I don't think it's one of those things where you know, there's going to be enough people that do it that people aren't going to, you know, go, well, we're done. You know, I, I think Florida will go back to it. I think it was just a convenient out this year due to COVID. Well, it was definitely that. I'm just curious to see kind of what the follow-up from that is. And, and we'll see what the tweaks are. Again, I think the fan day element to it, um, if it's there, then I think there's merit to it. But if, if you keep going away from those things and they're not a part of that, uh, then I, I'm not sure how how relevant th- those things are, are, are going to be. But Tennessee has their orange and white game on Saturday. They will practice twice this week. And so we'll have coverage of that coming up later today and, and coverage of that on Thursday as well. Then we'll have full coverage uh, of the orange and white game on Saturday in whatever format that's going to be at and uh, put a bow tie on Josh Heupel's first spring as they get ready to go through um, their summer off-season program and go from there. All right, Rob, let's turn to hoops before we will close it out with a couple of recruiting things. But let's turn to hoops right quick uh, because they've made more news than anybody else has. The, the, the last, Other than the baseball team, they've made more news than anybody else has uh, the last few days since we last did this. Let, let's start first with the fact that John Fulkerson is back. And, and I want to get your thoughts there, but I want to put it in this context. Fulkerson was, Fulkerson was on ball calls Monday night. I asked him specifically about his moment after the Florida game at midcourt or at the end of the Florida game at midcourt when he left, and, and he was obviously emotional. And he said on the show, he said, I was gone. I, I was leaving. You know, my plan had been I wanted to beat Florida in my final game wearing a Tennessee jersey, and I was out the door. Uh, and then the injury thing happened, and I didn't want to go out like that. Um, what do you What do you think it means that John Fulkerson is back? And are you surprised that he's back? No, we, I mean, put it in the war room pretty strongly last 
you know, Thursday night. And I think, you know, I'm not, not the only person probably in town that heard that, but had heard pretty, pretty strongly last Thursday night that he was going to be announcing. And soon, I didn't know it was necessarily going to be Friday. Friday, But uh, I think it's big for Tennessee. I mean, I think that the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week for Tennessee were as good as things have ever been for this program in recruiting. When you talk about just a three-day stretch, I mean, getting Jonas Adu, getting Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, and then having a guy who's been a, a second-team All-SEC performer opt to come back. And, um, I mean, I think it's tremendous. I mean, I some you know, I, I get it. And fans are going to be more excited about these highly-ranked freshmen. But I, I think Fulky coming back is just as big as, as getting those two guys. I mean, we saw with freshmen this past year, no matter how talented, you, if you lean in on them every single night, you're, you're going to have – it's going to be a, ro- a roller coaster. So I think getting a veteran back like Fulky was big. And I think it's also huge that because of those two freshmen, it's going to make life for him easier. He's not going to get double teamed every time down the floor like he was last year. He's not going to get banged around and, and be the focal point of somebody else's scout when it comes to Tennessee's inside offense. Because if they do, they're going to get burnt. Um, and Huntley Hatfield in particular, I mean, I, I, I a good player, a really good player, a really good prospect, legit seven footer, but Huntley Hatfield is way more polished offensively right now. And he's, I mean, he's got a lot of parts to his game for a six, nine, 16 kid that's 18 years old. And he, you know, like any freshman, he's going to have some off nights, but he's going to come in with, with a toolkit that is going to immediately show up on offense. And to me, everything just fits. I mean, on paper. Now, maybe, you know, maybe things won't, won't work out this way, but you got the point guard, Kenny Chandler, is, ele- is electric. You got a shooter to space the floor and Justin Powell. And, you know, if, if Victor Bailey can find some consistency, you could put two of them out there at the same time. And Chandler can shoot it. I mean, he's not pro- prolific, but you got to guard him. And then you got the two bigs, three bigs if you count Fulky, and a jack of all trades, a Josiah James that is going to give Rick Barnes a lot, a lot of options. I think it's terrific too, Rob. And you know, play it against sports has a really good deal on used golf clubs. Uh, you're only allowed 14 in your bag, and uh, we look forward to uh, publicizing your long-awaited return to the links. Uh, you know, some point in the very, 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 very near future. Have you heard what, what kind of shape is Oakland Hills in right now? Do you know? It's it's uh, Oak Oakmont. Oakmont. Oh, excuse Oakmont. me. That's that's your that's yours. Wait, listen. Wait, I can I, I can make a call. We go down to Atlanta Athletic Club. I, I can get Rick. I think we're going to get Rick Barnes in on this this round of golf. I think that's that's definitely happening. We might even go down to the Austin Country Club. You know, um, make a trip down to see his grandkids. Go down there where they played the uh, World Accenture match play. Um, you know, uh, you know, I think that might be where we go. Billy Horschel, a Gator, a Gator. Uh, what's you know, the since, name since, of the course? Since Tom Kaido. Ga- what's the name of the course? Gator. Tom, Tom Kaido. So I, I know Rick's buddies with him. Tom Kaido. I don't know, but Tom, Tom Kaido has one, and ben, and ben Crenshaw has one. Rob, I thought you were holding out that the, that the part of the bet was the only place you would play was in Talbot, Tennessee, at Lost Creek. Other than that, you weren't going to participate. They're closed. Um, they're closed. <laughs> dead, dead horse. No love for dead horse. <laughs> so we'll see. We might we might live stream that one if, if that ever happens. AP, what was the little nine hole course? It was basically in a in a field in Morristown back in the day. Yeah, but Oscars. Yes, Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> wow. A reference to Oscars. It's been a long time since I've heard that one. Fulkerson also said this, and he never made an excuse. And I know Rick didn't make an excuse. 
But he talked about how, um, you know, he would be better next year for a lot of reasons. He thought the team would be better because they would have better um, kind of better chemistry because they get to be around each other in the offseason, which they weren't this year. But he talked about how he never really got his win back after COVID uh, and that that was a, that was a concern for him. How, how different of a player um, do you think John Fulkerson will be next year? One, because A, he's healthier, and if he can stay healthy. And two, because of what you mentioned earlier, he's going to have help around him. He won't be the focal point in the post. I really hope that that's accurate. And that would make sense. That would explain a lot if, you know, if Folky really had COVID fatigue, which I think has been the reality for some people. I mean, I don't think that's a, an excuse. I think a lot of athletes have, have kind of dealt with that. And I mean, if you get 2019, 2020 Folky back, I mean, that's a big deal for this team. And I just don't think he ever approached, he, he never at any point in time this year looked like the guy that went into rut in, at the end of 2020 and, and dropped 27 on Kentucky and leading Tennessee to a, a road win in Lexington, which is, you know, you guys both know that's, that's a rare thing. Yeah. No, so I, I don't think he was ever there. Yeah. It certainly didn't look like it. All right. My last hoops question, then we'll get a couple of recruiting things here as we get out the door. Um, Kennedy Chandler is a five-star point guard that we think Rick Barnes really loves. We know how Rick Barnes managed the, the two freshmen this year, particularly early in the year. It was a little bit of a spoon-fed type deal, and he had a quick, pretty quick leash for the, some of those guys. Does he handle BHH and Kennedy Chandler any different than he, would, than he handled Springer and Keon Johnson, either A, because of their skill set or because of need, Rob? Does he manage those guys, you think, differently next year? Or is it a case where those two guys are going to be further along because they get a full summer development uh, that they did that those other two guys did not have because of the COVID restriction stuff? Yeah, I think that last part is a really big key because I think Rick, I mean, I think Rick went into November last year ready to roll with the freshmen and you know endure some growing pains, and then I think that when they had to shut it down for almost two weeks and cancel four games and kind of delay the development, I think he got gun shot. I mean, I think it's. I mean, looking back on what we just saw this last season, I mean, how, how ridiculous is it that Keon Johnson was not a day one starter, that Jaden Springer wasn't a day one starter? I mean, I think, I think that's where you see him be different. I'll be, I'll be stunned if Kenny Chandler doesn't have the ball in his hands when Tennessee opens play next season. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee that BHH and, and is going to start. I mean, one of those two is not going to start, him or, him or I do. I think – I think BHH is more likely. I just, I think this past year of going through it with Keon, Keon and Jaden, I, I think at least early Rick will give them a little longer leash and let them play through some mistakes. Now I'm not saying that, you know, his, he, he might go into games with that idea. Then I'm not saying that, you know, his, his, his head might not explode when he sees Kennedy throw one into the fifth row or something. And he, he jerks it. But I, I think his, intent will be to give them a longer leash early in the season so that it benefits them late. All right. Real yeah, real I mean, go ahead, hey, Austin. I was just going to say to keep up with the, you know, with the, with the, with the letters going, we'll CRB be able to coach, you know, KC in a, in a way that's not like JB, you know, a couple of years ago where he pushes him and pushes him and pushes him too hard. Um, to me, that's interesting is, you know, how hard he pushed Jordan Bone and and how he's going to how he's going to coach Kennedy Chandler is it going to be the exact same or will it it'll be it'll be similar i'm i'm positive but will it will it have some tweaks to it rob cuz like 
we all remember how he pushed Bone when he first got here. Well, I think – I mean, I, I don't pretend that there would be these kids' best friends or all, but I've been around both of them, and I think Kennedy is set up mentally to, to take it more, more so than, than the other one was. All right, Rob, let's look at this roster here and it is with the transfer portal. And I know you got some questions in the chat about it on Monday night. What's, what's left in the portal? What, what's out there that Tennessee could be involved in? Are they done? Um, is there a reclassification of anybody else left at this point? Or, or where do you think Rick Barnes and, this, and his newly revamped staff is with finishing out this roster? I, I think that the Tomba reclassification – and, and being a take is a very, very real thing. But then based off conversations I had as recently as Monday night, I don't think there's a guy in the portal right now that Tennessee is chasing. I do think that if a big were to enter the – an experienced big, not just a 6'11 kid who was athletic and hadn't done anything, like if an experienced big with a track record of success entered the portal, I, I think Tennessee would chase him aggressively. But I – as of today, that's that's the only thing I think they would go after. And you don't think they're going to go after another guard or a shooter? You think they're not as not based off you know what I've heard on Monday night. You know, maybe somebody who you know, that might change if somebody enters somebody the pool. It's in. not there yeah. now. Gotcha. But as of right now, I don't think so. For me, it's interesting, Brent. Just looking at like they just got to do, and they got you know Holly Hatfield. If they take Hanjay Tamba and then go with another big, that's basically like closing out the class with almost four bigs, right, Rob? Yeah, but and also, but, but Tomba is in no way, if he ends up here, total red shirt. Oh, yeah, super, total, yeah super, super project, yes. Total developmental project, but I think, I think you'll see Rick going forward. If he takes a kid who's definitely a project, it's going to be a seven-footer. It's not going to be a Devontae Gaines. I don't think you're going to see much, much, much more of that. Gotcha. And obviously he's made it very clear at the end of the season, they were going to get post, they were going to get back to the right kind of post play. And obviously they have struggled mightily uh, w- with their recruiting of post players. They just haven't, not enough guys have panned out in terms of, of posts they've recruited. So um, we'll see what happens if they add anybody else, you know, to, to this roster um, or a couple more pieces. We'll, we'll see what happens, you know, coming yeah, what, a, what a makeover. I mean, oh, since it's, totally. it's crazy. I mean, I mean, to add Justin Powell, the the two freshmen coming in and get Fulky back. I mean, it's it's incredible how much well, different the and and then you look at the makeover he's had on his staff. I mean, what he's what they've gotten done in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Uh, what what Rick Barnes has done in two and a half weeks is pretty crazy with his roster and his staff to to turn it the way they have to the point that there's there's great excitement about where this team is and where this program at, is at because. Let's face it. Two weeks ago, a lot of people were wondering, you know, and, and yeah. now all of a sudden they're going to be they're, they're going to be back on the forefront of all the national commentators. And tip of the cap to Coach Barnes because I mean this is basically the kind of thing. I mean this environment that we're in right now with the transfers and and, and everything being so uncertain. I mean it, I I think a lot of people would agree it pretty much drove Roy, Roy Williams from the game. No question. Maybe a year earlier or two years earlier than he wanted to. And Rick's just rolled up his sleeves and embraced it. He's like, I'm not done. I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not tired of coaching. If that's if this is what it is, it's what it is. We'll do the best I can at it. Yeah, I mean, to say Roy Williams was obsessed with the transfer portal and the idea of guys just being able to leave uh, is an understatement from everybody you talk to over there. That that I mean, he was that was a daily conversation. The fact that kids could just walk and we're going to be able to walk. He was he just could not get his hands around having to roster manage that way. And and Rick Barnes has talked about it for for a couple of months now. That's just the way college basketball and college athletics is becoming and 
And as you said, Rob, he has reached out and embraced it. As a result, he's done a complete 180 makeover of his basketball team uh, heading into next year. All right, let's talk a little football recruiting as we uh, finish up the, this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control uh, podcast. Uh, Austin, you, you talked about maybe Tennessee like, would, would like to get one more, or you think that you know, it would be good for them to get one more before June 1st opens up. I don't know if that's possible, but it's interesting. Tennessee pretty aggressive this past week with some Zoom calls to some individuals, and then obviously they had – kind of a, that, you know, that virtual junior day with some guys that at least they're highly interested in. I don't know how many offers were involved there, but um, some guys that, you know, not just 22s, but 23s, even 24s, trying to get an early jump on those guys, right? That's right. You know, I mean, they, they you know, they've been Zooming a lot with uh, certain kids in state, um, some out-of-state kids. Um, they're going to – they're still set to bring in a ton of kids in the month of June. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, I mean, I think Addison Nichols is now going to visit in the month of month of June. Um, you know, a, a guy like, you know, Joshua Josephs, Tennessee's going to get his first official visit. So it's going to be important for Tennessee to knock that one out of the, out of the park. Um, you know, and, and let's face it, they'll, they'll be better the third week of June than they were the first week of June when it comes to official visits. I mean, you hadn't, help, you hadn't hosted anybody. Um, in over a year and you know this staff's never hosted anybody uh, at Tennessee so learning how you do an official visit here you know I mean I get there are people in the building that have done it and I know that these guys have done it at other places but understanding how an official visit will work at Tennessee is you know it'll be a little bit different so um, you know for me I think that this staff is still trying to get their footing I, in a perfect world, they could get one more before June. I'm with you. I think that's going to be a stretch. Um, you know, the, the guys in state that they're closest with, you know, a guy like Caden Pope, I think probably July um, at the earliest for him. Um, and, and then a guy like, you know, Cam Miller is not going to go anything till, till the summertime at the earliest. Um, Giovanni Davis, I mean, eh, I mean, I don't want to totally close the door on that one, but you know, he's told me he he doesn't feel like he's super close, but Tennessee's still in a really good spot along with Ole Miss. Yeah, and if you're a kid, I mean, if you wait a couple more weeks, why not wait till June? You can go see those guys in person, yeah. you know, and, and see everything in person. You know, it just to, to me, it makes a, a lot of sense at, at, that, at that point just to kind of wait because I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not sure anybody's going to lose their spot if they if they wait until June 1st to, to see somebody in place. Austin. Any chance they got anybody here this weekend, or is that just probably not? And I mean, I know they can't talk to them, they can't visit with them, but you think anybody, uh, you know, makes a, the trip over here to, to see the spring game, or is that just really those types of visits are kind of unrealistic right now as everybody's trying to set their schedule for June and see as much as they can see in the month of June? No, I think they'll have some people here. I think Caden Popes, he's told me he's slated to be here. Um, you know, Cam Miller told me that, you know, if his seven-on-seven team doesn't play this weekend, that, that you know, he, he may come over for a visit to Tennessee. So, you know, I, I can see Isaiah Horton making it over if with Cam if that, you know, if that is the case, if their seven-on-seven team does not play. So, I mean, I think Tennessee may have some kids here this weekend. Mo Clipper, um, you know, Maurice Clipper, I think, could be here this weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a possibility that Tennessee ends up with a handful of kids here, and, and you would expect that, I think, uh, you know, with it being a Saturday, 4 o'clock, it's 
plenty enough time for kids to drive in the day of and and come see you know Tennessee play for an hour and a half or whatever. Well, be interesting to see what happens and kind of where recruiting goes from here. It's also going to be interesting, Austin, to see if Tennessee can find anything in the transfer portal. Obviously, we know about the quarterback situation with Joe Milton. Do they find a linebacker? Is there a linebacker out there? You referenced the the um, the kid from Western Kentucky. Uh, in, in yeah, Rick, Jack, Ricky Barber. You know, and um, as maybe a possibility, uh, somebody to keep an eye on. I think the kid from Texas is 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 a long shot. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but that just feels like a long shot to me. Well, that's one they're putting a bunch of time into, Brent. I mean, he's been on multiple uh, zooms with them. So I mean, like they're they're in it enough to get steady dialogue. Now, you know how how in it are they? I, I don't know. I've not really talked to the kid. You know, he's kind of been laying low you know, for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Um, But I think you're right. You've said it in the chat, and I think you're right. For Tennessee to land him, he'll need to come see this place. I don't think he's going to go pick a school that he's not been to before. They need to make sure he knows what a great track record Tennessee historically has had with kids out of Texas. (laughs) Well, they've had some some success with some kids out of Texas. They've probably not had as much as – uh, they've, would like gotten, they've gotten some really good ones or some beating some people out but they haven't really developed yeah some of those haven't panned out for sure but uh tennessee i think austin if you're looking at a transfer to me it's linebacker or bust i mean m- maybe an offensive tackle i i'd be a little surprised if they go after max ray um at this point but maybe an offensive tackle but linebacker or bust for me in the transfer portal yeah i mean i'm with you i mean I think a lot of it depends on, you know, where you feel like you're at on the offensive line. You know, what do you feel like Dane Davis can give you? What, you know, how far has Darnell Wright come along? You know, Cade Mays is going to be the Swiss Army knife for this offensive line. You know, he's going to start somewhere. It may be a different location every week, but, you know, I, I, was you know, I bet he starts three or four places this year. Yeah. I mean, he's just going to be wherever they, wherever they need him. It's, it's, he'll, he'll be, Again, and that'll be a, a you know if he if he has a really good senior year, him bouncing around like that is going to be proving a lot of wealth uh, for his, his his NFL stock. So, um, you know I, I, that's why the offensive line, like to go back to the board with US out of the gate, interesting to see how that group you know pans out. But I mean I do think that if Tennessee were to go that route, they need to go with somebody they know can get on the field, not just a warm body. Yeah, no doubt. If you're going to take a transfer, it's somebody you think is going to come in and be on the field. I don't care what position it is, but that's definitely going to needs to be the case with the transfer portal if you're going to use a scholarship. All right, that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.